Welcome to the Real Education Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Bowles, and on this show, I interview remarkable people who think way outside the box in education. To listen to more episodes, learn more about my guests, or become a patron of this ad and sponsor-free show, visit blakebowles.com slash podcast. You can also email me at yours truly at blakebowles.com. Now, on to the show. My guest today is Liam Nilsson, founder of the Endor Initiative of Asheville, North Carolina. Liam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Blake. What What is the Endor Initiative? That's a weird title. Tell us, what is this thing? Sure. Uh, so it is uh, an emerging agile learning center. So soon it'll be Endor ALC. <clears throat> um, it already you, kind you just of... put in even more big words into something that we don't <laughs> understand. I'm, I'm so confused sure. now. Well, we'll get to that. So, <laughs> so it is not a school. Um, that's something that I have to tell people a lot. <clears throat> um, it's a learning center. So it's, it's like, it's part, part workplace, part learning space um, for high school age self-directed learners. Um, so we kind of make a schedule together each day um, and then have different time slots, different times and places for working on specific things. But then uh, all the participants, um, they're participants, they're not students, kind of direct their own time and choose their own projects. Um, and, and a lot of it is kind of project-based um, and less, and less um, class-based. So, so whereas a school is kind of a marketplace for content, um, you go there, there's classes, and you can take those classes. Um, Endor isn't really that. We're trying to move away from that and and be more of a support place for self-directed learners that want to create things in their lives. Um, and so the, um, the facilitators are, you know, not there to teach, but there to help identify steps to take, uh, remind people of, of deadlines they've set for themselves, <clears throat> help find resources, etc. So it sounds in line with the tradition of the Sudbury Valley School free school model and with North Star we interviewed. Uh, Ken was the first guest on this podcast um, who started North Star. Right. Um, and so you're, you're very careful to say this is not as – while we might have classes and workshops and other organized stuff, you're very careful to say that this is not a school. And, and why is that? What, what sort of ideas do people get in their head when they consider you a school instead of a learning center? Um, well, <clears throat> it's actually, it's actually, w w one of the things is, um, a sense of entitlement, um, that comes with a school. So if you're going to a school, you know, you kind of get certain things, you get classes, um, maybe you get free lunch, you know, um, and we want it to be really clear that there isn't like a specific thing that you get when you go to Endor. <clears throat> you're you're becoming a part of a kind of co-creational community. Um, <clears throat> and so you really get out of it what you bring into it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's why that you focus sense. on that word participant instead of uh, student or, I mean, I struggle with this also, finding the right noun to... Mm -hmm. 
to give to teenagers who you work with. Um, right. Uh, that's, that's one of the reasons. Um, the other reason is um, that I think it kind of conveys more respect um, to the participants. <clears throat> and it's something that I've actually talked about with them. Um, I brought it up in like governance meetings. I've been like, <clears throat> you know, what do you want to be called? Um, and, um, and we've kind of <clears throat> agreed that like sometimes it's okay to use students um, when explaining it to certain people um, that like won't you know necessarily get it right away. Um, but generally, generally we use the term participant, and they um, don't have huge preferences. But I think, but they they have voice that um, that you know they feel respected being called participants and not and not students. Mm-hmm. And most of the participants are legally homeschoolers in the state of North Carolina. Is that their status? Yes, that is their status. That's another reason um, we are not a school is because we're not we're not that type of legal entity. Um, we are we are incorporated and we're under a nonprofit five hundred one c three, and so we operate kind of the way a YMCA would, um, or any kind of club or like you know ballet school. Um, Ballet school, the the indoor ballet school. The, sure. Well, you know, ballet schools have you know you go in and have classes, but but it's not a school. You know, you're not getting grades. Is you're not getting, um, you're not getting any state, county, or federal funding. I don't know, Liam. I saw Black Swan, and that gave me a whole other view <laughs> on ballet school. And if you're running uh, indoor like that, I'm just I think we should put this warning out there publicly. Oh, oh, um. No, that's well. That's that's yeah. That's the warning. It's definitely not like that um, because it's not a ballet school. It's not a, any kind of school, ballet or otherwise. Um, it's really more of um, like a a co working space. Um, for those that are familiar with co working spaces, mm-hmm. um, where where people that are either self employed or maybe they are the satellite employee of their company, um, instead of just working at home all day, where they have plenty of distractions like laundry and dinner. Um, they can go to a co-working space where they're working with other individuals that um, they can have lunch with or take foosball breaks with or you know attend meetings with and then also have access to meeting rooms and a copy machine um, and a water cooler it's an important one water cooler um, yeah so yeah so um, like co-working co-working for for teenagers is a big part of it because really a big focus is, um, is I like I I find myself not even using the term learning that much um, because I I really you know want to have a focus on on doing and then learning things as a necessity um, or as mm-hmm. as you know as necessary to do the things that that the participants want to do. Mm-hmm. So walk us through a, a recent typical day at Endor. Um, and maybe a recent typical week is a better uh, example because I know that you have different offerings on different days of the week. So uh, what does it look like from a participant's point of view? Sure. So um, we are open three days a week, um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, We start each day by making the schedule. Um, We have an extra extra long um, set the week meeting on Mondays to <clears throat> to plan things out for the rest of the week so that each so that Wednesday and Friday can have kind of shorter um, set set the day meetings um, where 
we have certain things that are ongoing. Um, we have a research group, uh, the Meets Keens Happy Roundup, it's called. They pick a they pick a number of different topics um, at a half hour meeting on Monday, um, and then people do the research throughout the week and then present on that um, on Friday. Uh, so that's something that's hmm. reoccurring. Um, ethics ethics discussion group um, has been one of the most popular um, indoor events for two years now. Um, and that happens every every Monday. Um, we have a drawing on the right side of the brain workshop that happens every Monday right now. Um, we are doing, and now I'm just like listing the, um, the reoccurring things. Oh, this, this is good. Things. Keep yeah. going. Um, and we have a, we're doing a Udemy um, super learners course on Fridays. Um, we're also doing like a, an astronomy kind of research group that's also presenting on, um, on Fridays. And, um, and so those things are happening on a reoccurring basis. Um, and we just moved all our stuff over to, um, Google calendar to digitize it, um, so that we can just set things to happen, um, reoccurringly and reoccurringly, I don't know if that's a word. Oh, sure. And, um, <laughs> and so that participants coming late, um, can attend that meeting virtually. So everybody is added to that calendar um, through their own um, Google account. And so if they're sitting on the bus and they're late for Endor, they can watch things go up on the schedule in real time and then add their own kind of offerings or meetings that they want to hold. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And then it's also always viewable, you know, from home on off days or on sick days, et cetera. Um, so, right. So we have our set the day uh, meeting. Um, usually kind of fill the schedule with lots of different things. We actually have a community value, um, which is on our community mastery board, which I'll get to later, um, on having a full schedule. Um, and um, that I'll also get to in a minute, um, Why kind of why we do that. Mm -hmm. um, after we've um, set the schedule, then everybody goes around and um, states their intentions for the day. Um, and first they write it down. Um, Either most people use um, Trello, which is like a digital Kanban, um, project which is an organizational software. system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there's like there's lists and there's cards and there's boards. Um, I won't get into it right now. Some people use um, a habit tracking program called Habit RPG, which is like a gamified kind of to do list on I, habit. I tracker. love that. I use it every day. Oh yeah, yeah, you're a habit uh, player. I, I am currently on a. I'm a magician on a zombie pig with a woolly mammoth uh, friend. Dude, you're wait. You mean you're a mage? I'm a mage. Dude, guess who else is a mage? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, well, we have an Endor guild, and we um, go on quests together. It's pretty awesome. Um, anyway, <laughs> so people um, people set intentions there, and then. Um, and by that point, it is 9.30, and we go out and kind of seize the day. Um, from from 9.30 to 10, um, it's kind of like warm-up warm up hour, so to speak. Um, we came up with kind of names for every time slot back when we were using a, um, a whiteboard schedule. But now that we're scheduling everything digitally, there's not really time slots, so things can go. Things can take 15 minutes, an hour, an hour and 45 minutes you know, et cetera. Um, but that's kind of the warm up hour. So there's always stretching um, and Duolingo in that first half hour. 
which is the website where you practice foreign languages and it's really yes. fun and interactive, right? Yes. It is a gamified language learning um, software. Yeah. And it's free. Um, a lot of people are on that. A lot of people are doing Spanish and sometimes we'll do like Spanish lunch too, where, um, where we'll have a whole kind of lunch table where you can only speak Spanish. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. A bunch of people are doing German. Um after that, yeah, after that it's 10. Uh, we usually have a, a number of kind of different group projects that meet. Um, the indoor t-shirt is getting a redesign. So that's been having a couple of meetings. Um, somebody's putting on an indoor prom. Um, so that's at a number of meetings. There's a there's this social media um, project called Guess Asheville, which you got to look up. Um, it's on Instagram, at Guess Asheville, um, where they post a picture of somewhere in Asheville each day. And the first person who guessed the location wins a dollar. Um, and the participants who run it um, reach out to local businesses and get them to sponsor um, each month um, in exchange for some shout outs. It's like a, it's like a real, you know, miniature company. Um, cool. And they, so at this point in the day, it's sort of like breakout groups, different small groups working on these little projects you're describing. Yes. Um, and then, People, people will also be doing their own thing, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, and that can be writing the newspaper or you know, um, drawing a picture or whatever. Um, <clears throat> it's been really nice lately. So a lot of people have been going on walks uh, early in the day, um, and and then kind of the day kind of continues like that. We um, we never schedule things over lunch um, because it's important to have kind of that time to just take it easy and. Um, like chat and stuff. Though over lunch we often have um, one-on-ones, so each participant um, has a one-on-one kind of check-in for 15 minutes with a facilitator. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so those often happen over lunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we end the week on Fridays um, blogging. So this is one of the Agile Learning Center tools um, that that I think is like pretty crucial. Um, so at the end of the week, everybody sits down. We have an hour um, where everybody writes a blog post about, um, it can either be about like what they did overall that week or like a specific thing that they worked on that week. Um, and there's a couple of different reasons to do that. One is that it creates shareable value for other people in the network. So we're in, um, we're we're using a, um, a blogging network that all the other Agile Learning Centers are also in. Um, so, yeah. So um, if somebody starts a research group like Keen's Happy Roundup, um, you know, he'll write a blog post about how, you know, the research group went. Um, and then somebody at another ALC two years from now wants to start a research group. They'll search research group in the network. And then somebody at another ALC, you know, at Endor has already written about it. Um, and they get value from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also... Um, you know, it's just like a, a solid hour for self-reflection, um, which which is such a crucial part of the kind of self-directed learning process. You know, um, we kind of use this this cycle of of setting intentions and then and then creating things and then reflecting on those things at the end of the day, um, and um, and that you know really exercises measuring one's own standard of success, which. I really think is hugely important. Um, and, um, and, and it gives you a sense of like, am I happy with 
with how I spent my time today. Um, um, so that's right. So back to blogging, that's um, another reason to blog. And then it also creates a really great record. So um, when people kind of quote unquote graduate from Endor, they don't, you know, they don't have a degree or anything, but they do put together a portfolio um, of all the work that they've done at Endor. Um, and they are often doing that you know, while still at Endor as well, because we're um, one of the big projects we have is the um, internship task force, um, which um, is a group that meets and works on like resume writing and cover letter writing, um, so so as to apply for jobs and internships, because um, a number of the participants aren't old enough to work, mm -hmm. um, and so when they have this whole backlog, uh, or not backlog, but when they have this whole record of blog posts that they've written about projects they've done, then they can really just pull stuff right off that. And that, you know, that can go, a lot of that stuff can just go straight to a resume. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be, you know, it can be pointed to like say college applications, you know, say they want transcripts. If you can just, you know, give them a link to like, you know, to your um, Agile your, Learning Center's blog, yeah. then um, yeah, then you're good. Have you had any graduates yet? Um, not, um, not exactly, um, not yet. We have, um, one person who, um, who has kind of graduated. Um, she, um, was offered an internship at a indie, at an indie <clears throat> game designing, um, firm in the UK. Um, and so she has been working, um, at this cafe a whole like almost full time. And then she also started um, interning at a graphic design firm in um, here in Asheville. Um, so she is like, in a sense graduated. I mean, she, she just kind of like got to the point where she didn't need it anymore. Um, Cause she was doing, you know, other bigger things, which is like, that's, you know, that's totally how I want to yeah. see every, everyone, you know, leave. Um, that's the goal, right? They just, that's totally the goal. I right am there, so yeah. effective and self-directed and motivated that I no longer need you or your program, Liam. Right. Yeah. When somebody tells me that, I'm just, you know, I'm beaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to the, the daily flow of Endor, um, it mm -hmm. sounds like there's some all-group stuff, especially the stuff that happens in the mornings where you expect everyone to be there. Um, like setting the intentions or setting up the schedule. Um, is that true that, that that's something where the, whether explicit or implicit, you, if someone's doing Endor, you want them to be there for that? Oh, right. Like, is that mandatory? Yeah. Right. So um, there are, yes, there are a few things that are mandatory. So setting the, like, like check-ins and checkouts um, and blogging are, are mandatory. Um, we also at our last, our, our governance process um, is called a, it's, it's through what's called a change up meeting, which is another agile um, learning center tool. Um, we had a meeting just yesterday and we have our meetings on Wednesdays where we added one more kind of mandatory thing, which um, is that we have a half hour every Monday where um, if somebody wants to try like a totally new process um everybody has to be involved in that um because sometimes somebody will have a new idea um for for either a like a workshop format or a 
you know, it could be a team building exercise and it could be a, you know, totally great idea, but if, if it's just not pitched well and no one shows up, then it never really, you know, gets tried. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just added that, um, sometimes, you know, when, um, when there's disagreement at a change up meeting, we will, um, we'll decide to just try something, um, for one week or two weeks or a month. Um, and then, and then just really reflect on how we felt about it. Um, and if we're all, you know, reflecting at a high degree and being really honest with ourselves and each other, then, you know, after we've tried something, we really know if it is something we want to hold on to or not. Um, but so the, um, <clears throat> the kind of mandatory things are signing in and out. Um, participants are free to come and go as they please, <clears throat> as long as they um, sign in and sign out. Um, mm-hmm. And so, um, sometimes people do, will do that. So yesterday was somebody's birthday, um, and a bunch of people left early to go see a movie. Um, and, um, <clears throat> and, you know, I think that's great, um, for them to, you know, practice their autonomy and take, you know, take, um, charge of their own lives. And if, you know, at one thirty they want to go see a movie, if they go and create that for themselves, that's, you know, that is an exercise in directing oneself. Yeah. Um, and it, it sounds like the whole theme of your program is, you know, we're, we are not your teachers. This is not a mandatory curriculum. We are helping you figure out and then do the stuff you want to do. And so if you decide you want to, you know, if you said you wanted to participate in this astronomy group, but then you went off and, and watched, uh, you know, saw a movie instead you know, great, go for it, enjoy it, but don't come back complaining to us about like, oh, this astronomy thing didn't happen. Is that your your attitude? Is that correctly summarized? Um, <clears throat> yes, to to a certain extent. Um, but when when um, when that starts to affect other people, so if like somebody had, if somebody was supposed to say to use that example, present at the astronomy. Um, research group, and then instead of going and doing their presentation, they went and saw a movie, then that's a real bummer for everybody that was looking forward to that presentation. Um, so that that's something that we talk about a lot, how, um, how behaviors of an individual affect, kind of affect the whole, really affect the, the culture of the place. So really, you know, what it all boils down to is a culture. Um, Mm. and so, um, it was, um, it was pretty interesting. We had, um, we had kind of this like reboot, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, where during checkouts, some people um, talked about kind of issues that they had. Um, and we, um, this was on a Friday issues that they had, um, with Endor and where kind of where it was. And we talked more about it on Monday and then came up with like action steps and things that we wanted to keep and things that we wanted to drop. Um, and then that following Wednesday, we had our change up meeting and kind of signed those things into law, so to speak. Um, and well, now, now uh, I'm curious, what are these things that the, the teenagers brought up that they, they said they were dissatisfied with? Um, I have, you know, I have it, um, I could pull it up um, or a picture of it, of, of kind of the list that we made. Um, one of the, so one of the kind of big ones um, was about having um, guest presenters 
Um, so the way Endor had operated last year was more as like a pop-up kind of, um, uh, we used kind of the school without model, the school, I'm sorry, the school without walls um, model, um, where we didn't have a set location and we had um, different workshops and jams, um, kind of like, like specifically um, specific subject themed work work parties. Like the ethics discussion. Like ethics discussion or math jam or yeah. coding jam. Yeah. Um, and um, and so a lot of people kind of miss that and having um, guest presenters. Um, and so one of the things we talked about was like, was, oh, like if you want guest presenters, then, you know, the facilitators are here to help you find those presenters and bring them in. Um, but it isn't necessarily our job to just find guest presenters and have them come in and um, teach workshops. Um, you know, I, I do that a lot because I, um, you know, meet interesting people. And the first thing that I think of is, oh, will you come into Endor and teach a workshop about that? Um, and so one of the big things that we talked about there was how, how, like really it is so much more valuable if a participant says, oh, I'm really interested in forestry and then says, hey, you know, hey, Liam, can we get somebody in here to talk about what it's like working in the forestry service, right? And then if, and then if we craft that email together or they craft that email or, you know, they say they don't know how to do it. So like I sit down and write it for them, um, that, that really is so much more valuable than 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 a like participant just showing up and and opting in to a workshop or opting out of a workshop. You know, so so kind of the the level of self direction that we had at Endor in 2013, 2014 um, was was opt in or opt out, right? There was there wasn't really a third option or a like fill in the blank option mm -hmm. um so so um and and then now that really is our big focus now and it really has been uh, my focus since the beginning um but um but it um it was it was very hard or it, it didn't really work to take that approach without having a set kind of location um where the kind of like spontaneity Mm -hmm. and self-organization can happen. Um, so a lot of people kind of had expectations from, from that. <clears throat> um, and, um, and so that ended up being a really um, good conversation. Another thing that came up was video games, which is, um, which is always such an interesting conversation in, um, you know, especially in the alternative education world, um, where um, some people were like, spending a lot of their time playing video games and then they would check out and be like, yeah, I didn't like, I feel like I didn't do much today. Um, and um, some people were getting really distracted by others um, playing video games. So that kind of led to a conversation about, yeah, about how the, about how one person, you know, sitting over here playing a video game affects everybody else and mm -hmm. like the overall culture. Um, somebody said, um, somebody said something that I really loved um, that was just, she just said, we've just got to step up our game. 
Um, <laughs> and, um, and so I've been, yeah, I don't know. I've been kind of repeating that, thinking about that a lot lately. Um, so at that meeting, um, um, the participants decided to ban um, playing computer games or playing video games at Endor um, with exceptions for, for like if they wanted to have a tournament or, or something. Um, that This is probably the first example in the history of education of a group of teenagers voluntarily coming together and saying, let's ban the playing of video and computer games right. in, it in was, our community. That that's truly monumental, Liam. It was it was a very it was a very interesting day, yeah. Um and it it like one of the really, you know, big things that came up during that discussion was um was like, well, do you play computer games at home? And, you know, for for many of them it was like, yes. Um then the question kind of became like why so why would you do it here um if like if if you're trying to think of this as like a workplace like where you come and and you know bring your projects to fruition why would you do that here um when you could do it at home and you could you know do your more you know important work or whatever here um so that um that was a really interesting excuse me um, meeting and then um, what was also very interesting was that that was then overturned at the following <laughs> change-up meeting, um, where which was partially because of um, the fact that the change-up meeting is not mandatory. Um, I tell everybody that their presence is requested but not mandated, um, and requested but not required. I always say, um, and um, and so. A lot of the people that had issues with people like loudly playing video games weren't at that meeting, um, and Ooh, um, classic coup d'état. It was it was very interesting. So that, but um, it was what was like what was really great about that that discussion was that um, somebody brought up that um, that there's a much bigger issue there. Like, why would we as a community ban? playing video games and not like just like falling down the YouTube hole or like going on Facebook for, for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so we, we only got so far into that conversation um, before just like um, dumping that, that no video games rule um, came up. Um, but, um, but it was converted into, um, it was converted into a very kind of awkwardly phrased card that said, um, like, don't do things that you could do at home at Endor. Um, and, um, and so we're still kind of now, um, uh, specifying what that really means. Um, and we got into it yesterday at our last um, change-up meeting, and then um, we scheduled kind of a an in-depth um, conversation to continue that um, tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what, what comes what comes out of that. I'll, uh, I'll update, or just look, check check the blog. Yeah. com. Check it out. <laughs> and just for listeners' reference, we're recording this conversation on April 23rd, um, <laughs> 2015. The, the podcast will come out a little bit after that. Um, yeah. 
So what about the issue of video games distracting other people in these public spaces? Was that addressed by your group? Um, well, yeah. So, so the one kind of thing was that um, it often gets loud. Like people get really enthused um, and then they get loud and that can be disruptive to um, other groups that are in proximity. Um, the other thing was that um, it often engages onlookers. Um, and so people would, would be holding a meeting or trying to hold a meeting or a workshop, et cetera. Um, and they would get frustrated because um, all the people that kind of had been planning on going to their workshop or their meeting or their kind mm-hmm. of offering are instead like over there watching somebody beat the final boss. Um, and, um, and so that, I mean, that's one of the ways that it affects, it affects everybody. Um, um, but, um, but what it, what the kind of conversation started out as, I hope this isn't too confusing. Um, yesterday, the last time we kind of covered it, um, was, um, are we, or like, uh, are we too often choosing, um, to take kind of um, the easier path if we're faced with two, um, even though we see more value doing, you know, doing the other thing. Um, and this is one of the things that I think a culture really mandates is, um, or kind of decides, one of the things a culture decides is that, or is what the easiest socially acceptable thing to do is. Um, mm. And a certain percentage of the time, and I think this applies to all people at all times, a certain percentage of the time, people are going to opt to do the easiest kind of acceptable thing for them to do at that moment is. Um, And I know that I do it. I know that I have a higher percentage when I'm, you know, at home than when I'm at my co-working space. Of doing the, the easy thing, the unproductive thing. Of opting for, right, the easier thing that has less, uh, or doing the easier thing even though the harder thing has more value. Um, and um, and so one of the big discussions there was like, well, is this, an, is this a person-by-person issue or is this a cultural issue? Um, and, you know, obviously it's both. Um, but I I was, you know, kind of more saying that it is a cultural issue because um it's it's always exceptionally hard for an individual to um you know step up and break cultural norms Mm -hmm. um and it's much easier if if everyone else is doing it um and so that's one of that's one of the really um interesting parts of the kind of agile learning center's tools is that a lot of the focus is on culture and on intentionally shaping the culture to be the mm-hmm. way we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I can touch on the, um, the change up meeting process now. If, well, um, if you want, you know, we, we've been having such good discussion. I, I want to make sure we have enough time to get to a, a few other of our questions. Sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> but I just want to say that your focus on culture and your focus on always uh, including the participants, the teenagers, in the creation of that culture, and especially what you mentioned earlier about the processes of Endor, um, th- that those are up for discussion. 
And it's not just like the content, like which guest speaker is going to come in this week. It's should we even have a guest speaker or should we have, should we run this thing differently? I I just wanted to say that I really love that. All of that is on the table and that ultimately, you know, even though to the outside onlooker, it seems like it's a, sort of a YMCA or or a club mm-hmm. with sure. some workshops and some uh, ac- some activities for teenagers. It sounds like what you're really teaching is this culture and this ethic of um, you know don't just be a passive onlooker. Um, you have a voice, use it, uh, participate, uh, step up, and take responsibility um, for your decisions or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that sounds like what you're really teaching in Endor. That's that really that is one of the really core aspects of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and if you know, that's definitely one of the things I want people to get out of it, for sure. Yeah, good, uh, good eye, Blake. <laughs> um, okay, tell us a little bit about the history of Endor and about the name. Where did it come from? Sure. Okay, so um, so I grew up um, I grew up unschooled. Um, on the Northeast, right outside of New York in Connecticut. Um, and I attended the uh, legendary not back to school camp run by Grace Llewellyn um, up in Vermont as a teenager. Um, and in, um, in 2009 and then 2010 and 11, uh, there was two separate sessions of not back to school camp. They were each one week long. Um, <clears throat> and there was a couple of days in between, there was four days in between, and of those two sessions, um, where um, uh, the the campers were kind of left to their own devices, um, and many people uh, would kind of go back to visit their families for those days. Um, but there was a lot of people that had traveled really far um, and didn't have a place to stay. So I uh, kind of saw that as an opportunity to put together an event. Um, that ended up being the first indoor unschooling festival. Um, so I rented out this old bed and breakfast in Bonneville, Vermont, um, and held the first indoor unschooling festival in 2010. Um, and, um, and got my mom and a friend of mine's mom to help us everyone out there. And so <laughs> how, how old were days, you at, uh, that first year? Um, that first year I had, I was 15 when I did most of the organizing and then I, I just turned 16, um, when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big hit. Um, we had, we had like kind of a workshop schedule. We'd had, uh, meetings at the end of the day. It was, it was kind of modeled after, um, after not back to school camp in a certain way. Um, but with a focus on kind of resting and taking it easy before going before jumping back in for another week of not back to school camp um it went it went super well we had about like 45 um campers that first year um so the second year um we did it again ended up having like 55 um participants this was now in 2011 um and i drew up this logo and uh got a bunch of silk screens made and made um made t-shirts. I ended up making pocket t-shirts. Um, cause I just wanted to like go one up or one, one step up from the normal t-shirt. Um, and now the redesign <laughs> that I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the redesign that I mentioned earlier of the t-shirt, now we're doing baseball t-shirts just to, you know, take it another step. Um, <laughs> this is your guerrilla warfare. I see. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, that was um, that was also a big hit. And then um, I had a, I had this meeting with Grace. I, I was great. I was like um, seventeen at the time. Felt very um, official in meeting with Grace Llewellyn about how like our how would Endor look in the future. Um, and they were she was planning on kind of ending um, the or I'm sorry. She was planning on merging the two sessions of not back to school camp, so there wouldn't be a need for, you know, for this this um, unschooling festival to happen in between them. Um, which I was like, you know, great, that's like that's fine. There there was there was a need for it, and there isn't anymore. Um, but all the while, um, it had kind of been my dream since I was about fourteen to start um, a kind of self-directed learning center. Um, and so now that I had kind of Endor set up and I'd made this Facebook page that, you know, gotten um, a bunch of, uh, you know, had at least had, had some kind of mailing lists. So it turned into a like traveling event kind of network. So I ended up having one workshop there, um, or I'm sorry, not workshop there. I ended up having one event there that was unschool day at Occupy Wall Street. So this was this is fall 2011. So Occupy Wall Street is going on. Actually mm -hmm. started while we were all at Endor slash Nebraska School Camp that year, and um, we all kind of get back to our homes and find out that this you know huge um, at the time event is going on. So um, a number of um, unschooled friends of mine and I kind of jumped on board and. Uh, we're doing things at Occupy Wall Street. Had on school day at Occupy Wall Street there, um, and I can hear. Um, I can get into kind of some funny details. Um, towards the end of Occupy in um, in January, I went to Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio. A good friend of mine, Elijah Blanton, um, was was a part of um, the first semester of that school kind of reopening after being closed for a number of years. And I went there and presented um, on Occupy Wall Street. They had this big teach-in. Um, and I really um, I really liked the school and I got to know everybody. There's only like 30 students there at the time. Um, and I decided to apply. Um, so I got back home to the Northeast. Um, and then shortly thereafter, um, got a job offer to work as a temp in um, back in Norway, which is where I'm originally from, um, at a preschool. Um, and um, and so Endor was kind of put on hold for a while. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, I was not accepted into Antioch, and so I ended up staying um, out in Norway for another year, um, at which point I moved here to Asheville. Um, now this is um, the summer 2013, I uh, moved to Asheville and kind of restarted Endor as um, as what it was then, the, the kind of school without walls. So the pop-up school. The pop, sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and, so, um, and so another kind of funny um, story there is um, that um, some people joke about, you know, the name Endor being because it's it sounds like it's from Star Wars, right? There's an Endor in Star Wars. Um, yeah, we still don't know what the name means. Tell us. Well, so that's not where it's originally from, but um, people, you know, people make kind of um, make that leap pretty easily. Um, 
But the kind of funny thing is, is that Elijah and I had taught a workshop a number of years before um, called Putting an Unschooler on the Moon, um, which was all about um, kind of unschool culture. So um, unschoolers, at least in kind of in the North um, network unschoolers, unschoolers that um, are a part of either you know, the Not Back to School Camp Network or the kind of conference circuit The elite, network. the intelligentsia. No, of, well, not exactly, not exactly. Just, yes, I understand exactly. Just yeah. the, um, there's, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of like lone wolf unschoolers, um, as I always called them. And then there is kind of like network unschoolers. And the network unschoolers spent a lot of time um, traveling around visiting each other, which I did um, a lot of as a teenager. Um, being in Connecticut, I had access to you know, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New York, Pennsylvania, um, you know, just by jumping on the bus. Um, and, um, and when, when teenage unschoolers visit each other, there's a lot of like, it's, it's teenagers hanging out. So, um, you know, not always, um, does very much happen. Um, <laughs> or there's, you know, there's a lot of like hanging out and, and watching movies and like, you know, maybe, you know, you make pizza one day. Um, but so Elijah, um, who grew up um, in Philadelphia, he and I became um, very close when uh, we were about 16. And we started taking this kind of new approach to um, unschooling visitation where we would, we would set these plans and then we would go out and, and do the things we plan to do. And, uh, instead of just hanging out the whole time, instead of just hanging out. And sometimes the thing that sometimes our plan was to like play settlers of Catan. Um, and sometimes it was, um, you know, do, do street art. Um, we did, we did this great like poster project, postering project, um, together. And, um, and we really kind of realized that at the end of the day or at the end of the, the visit, we felt like we had spent our time so much more valuably, um, or that's we felt like we had spent our time in, uh, in a much more kind of valuable way. Um, even if even if we didn't um, fly to the moon, um, but that's kind of where the joke was: was that like, how are we going to send an unschooler to the moon? Well, you got to work together um, and collaborate. Um, so. This back so to where Endor. does the word Endor come so to, from? Right, to loop this back to Endor, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of funny since Endor, in Star Wars anyway, is is actually a moon. Um, so, like, when Endor got off the ground, what was it? It was putting on schoolers on the moon. Um, yeah, sorry for that <laughs> uh, that kind of tangent. Um, so, um, so that's why it's called Endor. Yeah. You're putting unschoolers on the moon through doing more intentional, uh, kind of focused. Let's go do stuff instead of just hanging out. Liam, we're at, we're almost out of time. Okay. Um, I have one last question for you. Sure. You uh, are doing really cool work building community for unschoolers, um, for people who don't live in the Asheville area and cannot attend the incredible and/or uh, initiative gatherings. What other types of places are out there? How can you find something vaguely similar uh, to Endor? What what networks, what models exist? Ooh, well, you got the ALCs, you got the Agile Learning Center Network. Um, they're popping up all over the place. Uh, there's one in Hawaii, Puerto Rico, Uganda. Um, 
and, for all our Ugandan listeners out there. Yeah, and uh, Charlotte in New York. Um, otherwise, sure, there is the North Star model um, that is um, being replicated a lot now, which is something that I really um, respect about Ken Danford, who runs North Star um, up in um, up in Massachusetts, is that his kind of big goal with that is to not serve a population that is already doing alternative education, um, but to get people that are in school that don't like it out of school. Um, and now he's really started to um, to scale that, what with the big, um, oh, what's that called? Liberated Learners Network. With, with the whole Liberated Learners Network, thank you. Um, and now he's, he's really, they're really scaling that model, um, which, um, which Agile Learning Centers are, are doing as well. And I really think that is what is going to lead to greater societal change um, in, a, in a bigger way than, you know, all of your little independent schools kind of reinventing the wheel on their own, um, which I think you get a lot out of the process of reinventing the wheel. But um, I, I personally know that having the blog network for just the facilitators um like the uh, the blog network that i referenced earlier um is is hugely beneficial um otherwise um there's there's putting an unschooler on the moon there's unschooling together um i really think that that self-directed learners that meet up and just decide to spend their time um with intent and set set goals and work at achieving those goals um, can really support each other um, in uh, powerful ways. My guest today has been Liam Nilsson. Thanks for being on the podcast, Liam. Thanks for having me, Blake. This is the Real Education Podcast. This show is produced with the assistance of Zen Zenith, who also created the music. For more episodes, visit blakebowles.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.